Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. What a strange, strange week to do a Monday through Friday podcast. It almost feels like it would have been better to plan ahead and do like Monday to Thursday. Now, I guess it I guess this works. It just feels like I'm like today's show could have just happened yesterday. And then, you know, maybe we skipped Friday. Would have skipped Friday and start back up on Sunday or something like that. I don't know. So like Monday through Thursday and then Sunday through Friday the following week or Sunday through Thursday this last It doesn't matter. We did what we did. I just wanted to sort of like verbally jot down a note for next year. And one of you guys can be like, Dan, remember when you said you were going to do Sunday through Thursday on Thanksgiving week? And I'd be like, oh, yeah, I did say that. That was a good idea. Thank you for reminding me in my addled, mushy old brain. In any event, we're doing a Friday show uh, that we could have certainly done yesterday. And it's a week in review as per usual we're gonna go through everything that happened this week not team by team this is the ads drops buys sells edition and a streamer board that is just out of control before we take a little bit of a look towards the weekend so let's just go ahead and dive on in first of all hello everybody welcome to the show i am dan vespers thanks so much for listening on this very strange uh holiday week where i know many of you have tuned things out one of you actually commented to me Uh, on Twitter about how talking about a lot of folks are are sort of like tuned out this week is very U.S.-centric. Yeah, that's true. Um, And fantasy is a global game. Um, But I would venture to guess that still the large majority of people are probably still clustered, even if your league isn't. And I want to minimize anything that anybody's telling me here. I can just tell you from looking at like podcast analytics that still, from a geographic standpoint, and a lot of that's because this show is done in English, duh, but also, like, I'm the one talking on this show, so I have to, to some degree, kind of cater to where folks are listening. Um, This podcast is about 70% United States, and then... um, isn't Canadian Thanksgiving? I'm going to screw this one up, but I think that might be yet last week or the next day. Ah, you guys will correct me on that one. Um, and so the fact that like 70% of the people listening are likely to be celebrating Thanksgiving this week, that means that 70% of you guys, on average, not individually, but on average, will be dealing with a more U.S.-centric type of thing. Now, if you're one of the 30% that isn't, okay, well, maybe folks aren't tuning out quite the same way, but perhaps you have a couple of Americans in your league, and for them, that's an opportunity to get a little bit of a leg up. So uh, just kind of a playing numbers game a little bit there. Not to say that there isn't anybody, obviously, listening outside the U.S. It's just that still the vast majority of folks listening to this pod are uh, a little closer to me and then celebrating Thanksgiving this week. It'll be even crazier on uh, Christmas week because that's not just localized here. Christmas is on a Sunday, but everybody's going to be off school and off work probably the previous week or maybe the week after. That's a real cluster mess where you can get caught up on things. And last year, remember, 
over that stretch. That was when COVID started to go buck wild. So there was a real big window to just out-hustle everybody else in your league. Follow me on Twitter, at Dan Vespers. Hey, big, big fat gratitude moment here uh, for, again, clearing 14,000 Twitter follows, which is pretty freaking cool. Uh, I know that this week is, again, kind of a dead week on social media. I mean, you can see it. Like, there just isn't much happening right now. But we're going to handle it as if it is, because we're going to get that damn leg up. The ads of the week, they are not that interesting. It's shorter names this week, too. And, and because, a little bit because there really were only like two days where a bunch of games happened. Uh, but I'm going to put DeAnthony Melton back on the list for basically the fourth time at this point. I don't know. I think folks still need some convincing that this is a thing that can last. Not at the clip that he's rolling right now. Obviously, with the entire team basically out, he's been a top a second rounder for two or three games, and that won't stick as Embiid comes back, and then even less so as Maxie and Harden come back. But he's still someone that can hang out right near the cut line or a little bit better, even when that team gets to full health. And I'll warn all of you, I'll do it this time, and I'll do it a bunch of times in the future. We've seen it with Melton where he needs an opportunity to figure out what his job is each time they change his role. Oh, you're going to come off the bench. You're going to be the gunner. Okay, let me feel, feel this thing out. Who am I going to be with in my rotate, in my, uh, not rotations defensively, but rotations from a, like, who are the four guys with me on the floor personnel standpoint. And then he got bumped into the starting five, and it was figured all out again. And then everybody went down. And at that point, it's like, okay, I don't need to figure this out. I'm just going to go. But it's going to be a learning process again as guys start to come back. So don't abandon ship after two games where it looks like he's just kind of feeling things out a little bit. I don't need to go down that path again. You guys know from at least the last few games, why are we so crazy high on Melton? Well, it's because when he gets usage and playing time, he has the fantasy game to push into the top 25. Not everybody can do that in starters minutes as a more feature role, as evidenced by the fact that there's only 25 people inside the top 25. Uh, Harrison Barnes is on the ad list this week, and he may very well end up on the drop list next week because he's still not taking that many shots on a week-to-week -week basis. But the ones he's taking lately have been a lot better. The efficiency's been good. He's been getting himself to the foul line a bunch this year. He's kind of pushed out ahead of the rookie Keegan Murray for, you know, forward touches on that team. So see this thing through. It's possible that his steals taper off. It's possible that the efficiency and the, t the big free throw positive for him. Right now, that's kind of carrying his numbers a little bit. He hasn't been taking many shots, and that's the big fear. And it's why I was reticent to pick him up in the first place. I do think that that's something, you know, we've seen a tiny bit more usage for him, but it hasn't been that big of a jump. It's really just been that he started to make a bunch of shots, and you're in this leveling process now where he was super cold, now he's been super warm, but he's been getting to the foul line a ton regardless. If the free throws start to come down, there isn't a whole lot holding up his fantasy game. So if you add him here, which I'll put him in the ads department because he's been good enough to do so, be ready with sort of the, the quick cut on him because he's not going much higher. And um, I'm going to put Malik Beasley in the ads department because I get this feeling that with Utah, like they're due to have more injuries, if that makes any sense. I know Conley being out for a couple of weeks is, is the one that's kind of triggered a big jump forward. Beasley was 
hitting five three-pointers a game for about a week and a half. And then you started to see that come down, and then Conley got hurt, and it's it's jumped way forward again, which is a really good sign. So, you know, he's coming off that eight three-pointer game this week. The key has been that he's playing 30 minutes a game with Conley out. And Colin Sexton's seen a big bump as well, although he, I've got him in a different department. The thought on Beasley is that if he's really just like one guy playing slightly fewer minutes slash you know, that's away from being a 12-teamer. And then if somebody's completely out, like we're seeing with Conley, then he pushes kind of way beyond that point. That gets him to where he's, like, hanging on the fence. Like, he's literally dangling over the fence to being a rest-of-season kind of guy. And you only need that little itty bit to get him there. It's very similar to what we've seen with someone like DeAnthony Melton, although for Beasley, his, his fantasy game is not as well-rounded. Uh, it's what we saw with Trey Murphy earlier this year. Um, he's not the only one. There's a couple more that I'm sure I'll remember as I, I work my way through this stuff. It was Chris Boucher for a long time, although it seems like he needs like two guys out now to get to that point. These teams that have decided that there's just like one guy that's going to be the big bump dude regardless of who's missing on the team. And I don't know if that would be the case for Beasley if, like, the center was out, but it actually might be, because sometimes they'll go real small, they'll play Lowry at the five, or Vanderbilt at the five, or whoever. And so that's creating this avenue where he really only needs, like, one player to even be kind of not good on a given night, and that gets him right to that point, which is what we saw over the week where he was hitting five three-pointers. You know, he had a game, like, there was a game in there where uh, Markkinen wasn't as good, so he played a little bit more. And then there was a game where Vanderbilt wasn't as good, so he played a little bit more. And Sexton wasn't as good. So it's it's so close. You'll have these stretches where the team is healthy and the starters do play well. And so on that game, Beasley probably won't have a particularly good ball game. But, again, when you have basically five ways to be useful. And if any of those guys is out, then it's kind of a, a lock that I think he probably makes it far enough to go in the rest of season column, even if it's not like he's going to be a rest of season play every single night. Does that make sense? You guys can't answer me. Uh, let's move on to the drops. Jalen Smith, I'm going to put him back on there again because it's driving me insane that no one is willing to make this drop. He's been horrible this year, but I'm not going to beat a dead horse because we talked about him on yesterday's show uh i threw dorian finney smith on this list mostly because i just wanted to talk about how the mavs have really become a a two-player fantasy team and i know christian wood was actually a little bit better in their last one but he's still number 144 uh finney smith is 168 dinwiddie has been able to hang in there thank goodness um i still think his field goal percent is likely to come down steals will probably come down as well for for spencer and at that point he probably falls back towards you know, more like 80 to 100. He's at 50 now because field goal percent's been not a negative. And there's been enough because just like no one on that team can do anything besides Luka Doncic. But it just, it feels like the Mavs probably defeated my piping hot take of that they might only have one top 100 player. Dinwiddie will most likely finish inside the top 100. I don't think it's going to go beyond that. And that includes Christian Wood. And then Derek White is the other one here who, you know, he'll be on the streamer board because anytime Marcus Smart or Malcolm Brogdon is out, White's going to be a play. 
But it's not like what we just talked about with Beasley or Melton or some of the other streamers we'll get to a little bit later on on the show. It has to be specifically one of those two guys for Derek, who still is seeing enough playing time even when the team is healthy, but he's just not able to do anything with it. So his actual overall rank kind of belies what got him there. Well, it's an interesting case study because, you know, he is number 87 on the year, and some of that is because his turnovers have been freakishly low, uh, and he's done it in 26 minutes. But if you give him 26 minutes with a full, healthy Celtics roster, he's not a top 100 guy. If you give him 26 minutes where one of the main guards is out and he is the direct beneficiary of Brogdon's shots, because how many shots has Brogdon taken a game? He's at 10 shots a game so far this year. Like that, That's a pretty good number coming off the bench. Marcus Smart, uh, nine and a half. When those guys aren't there, a good like 20% of their shots go to Derek White. He's just an immediate winner because he goes from seven and a half up to more like basically what they were at, which was nine to 10. Derek White with nine to 10 shots is terrific. Derek White with five or six shots isn't enough. So there's just an engagement factor with him where, I mean, you could make a pretty reasonable argument that he should just hang out in the streamers board. And I wouldn't fight you on that. I mean, I, I have to just pick a spot for these guys, which is a little bit black and white and not really the way to do fantasy analysis. But, like, I have to categorize them for this Friday show. It's what I set myself up to do. The, po- the actual point on Derek White is not that I put him in the drops department, but that he's someone that's probably going to be just on and off of your roster all season long. Even though on the head-to-head side, you probably could just keep him all year. He's been, like just barely good enough to be on your head-to-head roster, provided you're actually trying to win turnovers. If you're punting turnovers, he hasn't been useful on the head-to-head side. And then with Roto, I don't think I would spend the games cap on him unless someone was out, and you could say reliably, okay, this guy's going to be more like a 75 or higher-ranked dude, because when they're fully healthy, he's more like a 100-130 to range guy, which, as we've talked about before, you bounce back and forth between you know 65 and 130 on the head-to-head side. That's useful because it lands you around 90. Roto, it's not because you only want to be cashing in the ones when he's being when he's playing better. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. 
I want to take a moment here on this Friday show to remind you guys of our buddies over at Manscaped.com, specifically because it's Black Friday. 25% off the entire website right now, which is, believe it or not, better than our damn coupon. I would ask you guys to please throw our coupon in there as well, just so they know who sent you. But this is the time. 25% off, so an extra 5%. So, like, I mean, we're talking about the Shears is a $20 product. You can get it for 15 bucks with free shipping using our coupon of Ethos20. If you want to get something bigger, this is the time to do it. It's Black Friday. This is the weekend. I mean, if you're going to get anything from any of our partners, this is the weekend to do it. But certainly with our, our, our buddies over at Manscaped.com, the list is substantial. Get the boxers, get the nose hair trimmer, get the shower kit. Really classy shower kit, by the way. They've sent me some of those uh, that we keep in our guest bathroom. It looks, it looks really good. It's sleek, man. We have a cruddy old apartment. I love our apartment, but it's very old. Uh, and just things that sort of look new and sleek. That's the shower kit. You can get that in there as well. All these things, you can find them under the best sellers list, or you can go into the formulations tab if you just want to get one or two of those things. So like the deodorant, the uh, shaving gel, they have wipes, they have two-in-one shampoo conditioner, they got body wash. I'm not a big body wash guy, but you might be into that sort of thing. I like the lifestyle uh, and the... I guess it'd be, it's in the, it's not in the, the shields. Yeah, the shields are in the tools. I didn't want to make sure they found that. They also have something that they affectionately call the crop shaver, which I don't really, I mean, you know me, I got my baseball play-by-play background. I don't like to take this podcast in, in sort of the seedy underbelly direction. But what I will say about it is that it's a terrific three-blade razor. I have, as a hairy human being, used it on my neck, the back of my neck. I've used it on my cheeks. I don't shave my full face anymore because I'm a, I'm a bearded man for now, and that's just how it's going to be. Uh, and the, my neck in particular is, as a skinny human, not a particularly easy place to shave, and the crop shaver has been fantastic. That's only $20 right now. 25% off for uh, Black Friday. Free shipping with our code ETHOS20. So you can get that bad boy for 15 bucks. Well worth it. It comes with a travel case, a little snap-close travel case, so the blades don't cut up all your stuff, and four replacement blades. So I don't know how, you guys, how often you guys shave, but if you're only using that thing like once a week, four replacement blades, that joint might last you half a year, maybe more, depending on how uh, rough you're willing to go on the, uh, the lubrication strips on that bad boy. So check that thing out. That's the crop shaver. That's a $20 thing. The shears is a $20 thing. All of that over at Black Friday at Manscaped.com. Go visit them right now. Some watch list names here on this delightful Friday after Thanksgiving. We're all awake, I'm sure. Herb Jones I put on the watch list because I didn't want to put him as a strict drop, but I am leaning that direction. I think we've got a pretty good body of work. We talked about him yesterday. The steals haven't been there. That's the key. The minutes have been okay. He's He was in and out of the lineup a little bit. Um... We need those steals to be more like two per game instead of one. And his his value is so very much tied up in one statistical category that when it's not where you wanted it to be, it's, I don't know, like there isn't enough else going on with him. And so I think of it this way, like if he got dropped in your league, I don't think I would pick him up until I saw the steals kind of start to come around. 
So that's the calculus you're making with him. It's why I put him on the watch list because I didn't. I don't think he is a strict drop. I think he's someone that could very easily find his way to fantasy value. But we need those steals. Jeremiah Robinson Earl and Jalen Williams are on the watch list. They've been getting kind of intermittently more mean, uh, minutes for Oklahoma City. Robinson Earl, oddly enough, has been more consistent of the two lately. I just, I really struggle to believe that this is something that's going to stick. It might. I, you know, it's not definitely not going to. Um, but, you know, it, it's one of those things where, like, the disappearing act stuff that happens in OKC is just so frustrating. But Robinson Earl actually has a pretty decent fantasy game. He's like around top 150 in 19 minutes per ball game. So with starters minutes, he would very easily be a top 100 or better player. And we've seen that lately. Not that he's been like cooking with gas or anything, but over the last two weeks, he's been uh, more like 23 minutes per game. Uh, and he's inside the top 130 despite the fact that he's having kind of a weirdly low couple of weeks in defensive stats. And if you look at the last week alone, 28 minutes per game, he's inside the top 90. 48% from the field. He's made his two or three free throws or whatever they were. A three-pointer, 10 and 7, two assists, 0.7 steals, 1.3 blocks. Yes, those are uh, shaded a bit by the fact that he had a three-block game in Memphis uh, about one week ago today. One week ago, Friday, I guess I should say, because folks might be listening to this over the weekend. But overall, his minutes have been trending up somewhat inconsistently, but also somewhat consistently. Like, the best fit line for him is upwards. The question is, where do we hit the point on that best fit line where he, over any seven-day stretch, is inside the top 100? I don't know that we're necessarily there yet. He does have a back-to-back -back today, tomorrow. So scheduling-wise, this would certainly be a time to roll the dice if you're on the head-to-head -head side. He's not going to score all that much, but he can step out, hit a three-ball. Uh, he can be a one-steal, one-block guy if given appropriate minutes. He can rebound a little bit. He's really close, but I got to see those minutes lock in. And the nice thing with him is that no one's going to believe it even when it happens for a game or two because of how Oklahoma City has run their rotation so far this year. So it would be a really easy one to just say, ah, you know, like, I'll wait until I see him do it two, three games straight. Well, he's basically done it two out of three games right now. And his minutes over the last six, 31, 14, 13, ugh, 27, 22, 34. That was an overtime game, but still, call it 29 then. I mean, if he gets 27 or more minutes in Chicago tonight, I would seriously consider adding him before the Houston game, even if you don't start him. Because starting centers don't grow on trees, and that's basically what you're talking about here. Jalen Williams is much farther for me than being an ad. Robinson Earl's maybe the closest on the watch list. Well, uh, Jalen Duran might be the closest on the watch list. He's right there. Um, you know, there's an Isaiah Stewart component here, and he might be back in the not-too-distant future. Uh... Uh, I can't advocate an ad just yet. Bagley, I'm not adding. I just, I, you know, I had a better ball game last time out, but I just, I, I hate his fantasy game, and I, I, it doesn't look like the minutes are all that set in stone. Walker Kessler is on my watch list right now. We might not have noticed this, but Kessler has actually been bordering on useful 
two of the last four games. And that's not much. That's not an ad. And there are plenty of leagues where he's on rosters. I totally don't understand that because he hasn't been close to fantasy value this year. But he's coming off a five-block game against the Pistons in a loss. Utah's kind of coming back to earth a little bit, and some of that is the Mike Conley injury. I don't think any of us really realized how well he was controlling things for that team. Uh, But 21 minutes against Detroit for no other reason than just he was playing pretty good defense. Keep an eye on it. And then Colin Sexton, also in the running for closest watch list guy to an ad, he's one for two since Mike Conley went down. We'll probably have a few more games to sort this thing out. If he has another good one tonight in Golden State in a tougher matchup, and then they got Phoenix on the back-to-back, uh, I would consider it. I mean, Sexton, he's probably not going to blow you up too much here with a starting role. He might not be great, but he's also probably not going to be terrible because at least I think we know as a starter he's not going to have the rug pulled out from underneath him. So the watch list is actually kind of interesting this week. That might be the the most interesting of the categories. The tough holds. I call them holds, but they're tough holds. Gordon Hayward, he hasn't been very good this year. It's it's weirdly, again, tied up in how, how very high his turnovers and how very low... His free throw percent has been because the other stuff isn't that bad. I mean, the field goal percent has been kind of low also. Like the percentages just haven't been there for Hayward, but we know enough about him to know that they're probably going to come back. And that whole team's just been a dumpster fire without LaMelo around. And then worse without Dennis Smith Jr. They badly need a point guard because Rozier can't shoot. Hayward can't shoot. I mean, it's, it's fine. Obviously, bringing back a head coach that failed with the team previously was the, the, definitely the move to make there. Uh, Gary Trent Jr. is a hold. Larry Nance Jr. is a hold. I don't think I should have to explain those, but like we know enough about them to say that you got to give them an opportunity to go be themselves. The San Antonio Spurs are a hold as a team. They've been in a deep funk, but it's not going to last all year. I know they're going to tank, but they're going to be a bit more competitive here Uh I mean, they've just been getting blown out every ball game lately. I don't know why I threw Alexei Pokashevsky on the holds list. I don't feel like people need to be told that, um, especially after a 29-minute game. But he had only 14 minutes the two games prior to sitting out. Uh, was that a shoulder thing? No, ankle thing. And so maybe people got a little bit annoyed. But he's now sort of unofficially, officially in the plans for Oklahoma City. And you should just enjoy it because he's a rest-of-season dude couple of buys on my list. Terry Rozier is a buy. I cannot imagine him being any worse than he is right now. He's shooting a high volume, 38% from the field. He's not getting his usual steals. But as those things level off, I mean, he's at 20 points, 5 boards, and 5 assists with three three three-pointers. If his field goal percent gets up into the low to mid-40s, where we figure it'll probably land, and the steals get up and over one, he just rocket boosts like 90 slots forward. It's coming. Go get him if you can. Probably have him in a few spots because, like, we know enough about Terry to know that this is just not going to be a thing that sticks. I don't actually know what it would take to get him. Maybe I'll try to do something on social media to figure out what the buy price would be on Rozier, but he's one that you should definitely be focusing on. And then I couldn't decide if I wanted to put Keegan Murray on the buy list or the or the drops list. He's sort of like a com- combination of buy and drop, which is weird, Uh for me to suggest that you should have him on your team but also drop him because he's a rookie 
and it's not coming around as fast as people always forgetfully expect. He'll get better probably about five more weeks. So what do you want to do between now and then? Do you want to buy him and sit on him while you wait it out? Or do you want to just dump him and then try to get him back in four weeks? You know better what your league is going to be like than I do, and that's why he's a weird buy-drop combination. I don't think I've ever had that on the show before. And then I'm going to get yelled at about this a lot, which, I mean, I already have, basically. Um, The cells. You guys are hating. Oh, my God. Twitter is killing me for a Ben Simmons cell. It's because no one understands what a cell is. I'm actually going to yell at you guys about this, but I don't know if it's you listening on Twitter or if it's different people altogether. But you guys don't understand what a sell is. You don't. If this is how you react to me saying Ben Simmons is a sell, then you don't understand what a sell is. Sell doesn't mean that someone is about to fall off a cliff. It means that you have an opportunity to get equal or greater value than their rest-of-season prospect. That's what a sell is. Good grief, people. I just don't get it. It pisses me off so much. Let me explain this a little bit more. Just in case you are one of the people that's like, nah, he's not a sell right now. You sell Ben Simmons now because right at this moment, and forget his season numbers because nobody is basing what they're doing on Ben Simmons' season numbers. So if you're like, oh, Dan, Ben Simmons is number uh, 120 on the year. Why would I sell him for a 120 range guy? No, that's not what I'm talking about either. I need you guys to really hunker down and pay attention to this. Over the last week... Ben Simmons is a second rounder on 15, 8, and 7 with 3.3 defensive stats, 80% from the field, and 55% at the free throw line. I would like all of you to go through every damn year in the history of Ben Simmons' NBA career and tell me where he's put up numbers like that. 15-8-8, which is something he has done or gotten close to before, because he was at 16-8-8 like three years ago with two steals and half a block, so still not 3.3 defensive stats, but 58% from the field, not 80. Ben Simmons is a sell because you can almost definitely get a top 40 player back right now And the best season in Ben Simmons' NBA career was number 37, 9-cat, per game. Okay? This is not me picking on Ben Simmons. This is me trying to explain to you guys why good Ben Simmons is still around number 40. That's why he's a sell right now. Because you can get a 40-range player, or better. And you know what that does? That gives you a backstop in case Ben Simmons doesn't play this well all year. In case he isn't just a top 40 player the rest of the season. Okay, I don't care. Honestly, I don't care what percentage you put on the chance that he might be. Let's say there's an 80% chance he runs at good Ben Simmons mode the rest of the season, which, as I just told you guys, is 40 range. He's done it twice. Then there was a year where his defensive stats were a little bit lower, and he was more like number 70-something. Okay? 
the the very high probability here is that Simmons lands between 35 and 75 if he's playing better. Right now, you can sell him for someone who is basically a guaranteed top 40. That's what the sell is. And if you get him for someone near 40 who you think goes up from there, that's where the profit margin is. That's what a sell is. A sell doesn't mean a guy's about to fall off a cliff. It means you can get equal or greater value to his rest-of-season prospect. It is an opportunity to collect on a big week. And I can't explain this on Twitter because it just took me five minutes to do it on a podcast. But I'm mad at you guys on Twitter because it means you don't know what a sell is. I'm sorry. That's just the truth. The other sells on this list are De'Aaron Fox and Benedict Matherin. Matherin's an easy one to explain. He's overvalued because he's just scoring a ton. De'Aaron Fox, it's almost the same story as Ben Simmons. He's number 18 right now. You probably can't get number 18 back, but he's also shooting 54 and 81%. His two percentages are crazy high so far this year. We just saw it in his last ball game. He's going to have a few where he comes back to earth. He's probably still going to be inside the top 40 where, like, that would still be, I think, a win on the year. But if you can sell De'Aaron Fox for someone who is at or better than his rest-of-season projection, that's an opportunity to make some cash there, too. And then the streamer board we're going to actually do on Twitter. So if you guys want to hear the massive, massive list of streamers right now, we're going to do that over on social media. That, again, is over at Dan Bespris. I'd like to explain to you guys what's happening over the weekend. Here's what we're going to be looking for from all 30 teams in lightning round mode so we can get this bad boy wrapped up and send you off into your Thanksgiving weekend holiday plans, Black Friday included. Minnesota nothing. Charlotte, uh, no Dennis Smith Jr., no LaMelo Ball, so we kind of need Terry Rozier to wake the hell up. Gordon Hayward, I think, is questionable in that ballgame, so, you know, we'll just see. Can they get their shooting act together at some point? I it's going to happen in one ball game, but you never know. Philly, still without all three of their big guns. So a ton of Melton, a ton of Milton. Uh, basketball, Paul. B-ball, Paul is somebody to keep an eye on there. Again, head-to-head side, it makes a lot of sense. Roto, it's a little more questionable. Orlando, it sounds like Paolo Banquero might be back. Um, and Wendell Carter Jr., I believe, is a game-time decision. So uh, I don't feel comfortable starting Mo Bamba if he's not in the starting five. If he is, I would. Make it as simple as that for yourselves. Nothing with Portland. The Knicks, we got word earlier this week. I think you guys heard this. Uh, we talked about it on the pod. Isaiah Hartenstein's been dealing with a sore foot, and that's been, I think, a big part of why his numbers have been slipping. I'd love to know what his health status is going into this ballgame. Should I deploy him on a roto side? He's a guy I'm holding in pretty much every league because we know how good he is when he's healthy, and it's kind of good to know that he wasn't. Brooklyn, nothing. Starting five, solid. Indy, not really much anything out there as well. We, we kind of know what they are right now while they're playing pretty good basketball. So, cool. Uh, New Orleans, I would assume this is going to be a more competitive ball game. It sounds like CJ McCollum is, is still out. So, you probably have a Jose Alvarado situation. Memphis, uh, oh, Stephen Adams injury news. I think he's sick or something. I don't know, we'll, we'll deal with that on the streamer board over on Twitter. But not a whole lot to watch on the Memphis side. For New Orleans, it's the Larry Nance minutes. But I think we have a pretty good feel for it. They want him in for the, the critical minutes. So the more competitive the ballgame, the better it is for Nance. 
Lakers and Spurs, again, these two teams play each other three times in the span of a week. I think they played like three times in a row, pretty much. Uh, LeBron has been targeting this game for a return, so that should blow up a lot of what was going on in L.A. Let's see if Anthony Davis can stay aggressive. Maybe they need to get him out there when LeBron is not on the floor a little more often and see what that does to it. Like A.D. and Russ, where he's not going to... A.D. knows he doesn't have to defer to anybody else when it's Russ and, you know, the the Jordan Airs, the new iteration of the Jordan Airs out there. Spurs, you know, these guys got to get their act together. Devin Vassell is questionable, by the way, for half of the upcoming Spurs back-to-back the tank is on, man. That team wants Victor, and they started way too hot. So it's got to get ugly, and it's got to get ugly quick. Hopefully, we see some better play from Trey Jones and Keldon Johnson here, but shrugs. Mm. Cleveland, nothing. They got some guys missing, but I sort of don't care. Milwaukee. Uh, I mean, I guess you could keep an eye on Grayson Allen because Chris Middleton has just disappeared into the void at this point. Sacramento, uh, Keegan Murray, Harrison Barnes, the two guys you're keeping an eye on there. Boston. I guess we're sort of semi-watching Derek White, but not really, as long as everybody is ready to go. Washington, they got a lot of guys that are out, so it's an injury report there. Miami, oh my goodness. You want to talk about a team that's got everybody out. Miami's that team. If if somebody's starting for the Heat tonight, whoever the hell it turns out to be, you probably just play them. Hawks, nothing. Rockets, uh, Tara Eason is kind of interesting. I, I, good per minute numbers, but I, a lot of folks have kind of gotten out in front of that one, which makes a lot of sense on the Keeper Dynasty side. From redraft, they're sort of ahead, a little bit ahead on him. Like, I don't think that you're going to get the number of minutes you'd want moment to moment with him, at least not yet. Chicago nothing. Thunder, uh, definitely watching the roulette wheel for Robinson Earl and or Jalen Williams, but really more Earl, I think, at this point. Detroit Oh, Lord, do we have to deal with Corey Joseph? I really would prefer not to wander down that path. Jalen Duran, I'm also watching. I think I kind of want to see how he plays against Phoenix. This is, a, this is a pretty good test for him. Chris Paul, I believe, is still out for this ballgame despite practicing, but at least he's getting real close now. Utah, we've already talked about them a bunch during the uh, the first half of this pod. You're, Colin Sexton is really the one you're keeping an eye on because Beasley feels pretty safe at this point, especially with Conley out. Warriors, nothing. Nuggets, uh, a couple of guys are questionable. Bones is questionable. He might even be out at this point. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. is questionable. If any of those guys isn't playing, then Bruce Brown should be good to go. Clippers, you're into streamer zone as well, so nothing really to keep an eye on there. Turning the clock forward towards Saturday, Dallas, nothing. Toronto, it's all injury report related. Uh, If Thad starts, he's one of my favorite streams. I do love me some Thad. Boucher, kind of the same story, how many guys are out Lakers and Spurs, again, on that same back-to-back. It's so weird that they play each other three times in a row. So weird. Uh, and I think, is Toronto the last team we need to worry about? I think for everything, everybody goes either Friday or Saturday, don't they? No, Portland, but um, nothing there. And is that it? Yeah, that's it. Okay, that's what you're looking for over the weekend. Um, and that's the deal, man. Sorry I had to yell at you guys, but uh, I don't think we understand how trades work. There's there's a, we'll call it a miscommunication for now. I'm going to do my very best to explain it on Twitter, but I don't think it's going to work all that great. So mostly, if you're watching, on, if you're, this is why you got to listen to the pod at the end of the day. Check out Black Friday over at manscaped.com. Uh, join us here with a premium membership at Sports Ethos. Frankly, your money would be better spent with us here. We've got so many cool things. 
Our wagering division has everything going on. Tennis, World Cup, soccer, NFL, college basketball, NBA, you name it. They are crushing it. Uh, get yourself any, any membership plan at Sports Ethos with promo code BOGO, and you get the second month for free. Two months for the price of one. That's pretty sweet. I would ask you guys to go check that out. And please do continue to keep uh, dropping five-star reviews on the podcast. The quest for 850. It is upon us. Monday, we'll get everybody reset. Look at all 30 teams. Yeah, that's it. I guess we're done. I don't know. I felt like I had more things to say, but I didn't. Thank you all once again on this Thanksgiving week. I am Dan Bespris at D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Sportsethos.com, the website. Oh, come on. If you got questions, do them in the forums. Sportsethos forums, they're completely free. All you got to do is have a free account over there. It takes like 90 seconds to set up. And uh, I pay pretty close attention to the forums. Everybody in the premium Discord is going to get their stuff first. But I'm also watching the forums. Just saying. want to get that area cooking, and that's the way to do it. So screw it. I'll do it. Okay, folks. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you guys on Monday. So long for now. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.